Deductive Logic by St. George William Joseph Stock, M.A. Part 3 of Inferences. Chapter 11 of the General Rule of Syllogism. 582. We now proceed to lay down certain general rules to which all valid syllogisms must conform. These are divided into primary and derivative. First, primary. 1. A syllogism must consist of three propositions only. 2. A syllogism must consist of three terms only. 3. The middle term must be distributed at least once in the premises. 4. No term must be distributed in the conclusion which was not distributed in the premises. 5. Two negative premises prove nothing. 6. If one premise be negative, the conclusion must be negative. 7. If the conclusion be negative, one of the premises must be negative, but if the conclusion be affirmative, both premises must be affirmative. Second, derivative. 8. Two particular premises prove nothing. 9. If one premise be particular, the conclusion must be particular. 583. The first two of these rules are involved in the definition of the syllogism with which we started. We said it might be regarded either as the comparison of two propositions by means of a third, or as the comparison of two terms by means of a third. To violate either of these rules, therefore, would be inconsistent with the fundamental concept of the syllogism. The first of our two definitions, indeed, 582, applies directly only to the syllogisms in the first figure. But since all syllogisms may be expressed, as we shall presently see, in the first figure, it applies indirectly to all. When any process of mediate interference appears to have more than two premises, it will always be found that there is more than one syllogism. If there are less than three propositions, as in the fallacy of begging the question, in which the conclusion simply reiterates one of the premises, there is no syllogism at all. With regard to the second rule, it is plain that any attempted syllogism which has more than three terms cannot conform to the conditions of any of the axioms of mediate inference. 584. The next two rules guard against the two fallacies which are fatal to most syllogisms whose constitution is unsound. 585. The violation of Rule 3 is known as the fallacy of undistributed middle. The reason for this rule is not far to seek, for if the middle term is not used in either premise in its whole extent, we may be referring to one part of it in one premise and to quite another part of it in another, so that there will be really no middle term at all. From such premises as these, all pigs are omnivorous, all men are omnivorous, it is plain that nothing follows. Or again, take these premises. Some men are fallible, all popes are men. Here it is possible that all popes may agree with precisely that part of the term man, of which it is not known whether it agrees with fallible or not. 586. The violation of Rule 4 is known as the fallacy of illicit process. If the major term is distributed in the conclusion, not having been distributed in the premise, we have what is called illicit process of the major. If the same is the case with the minor term, we have illicit process of the minor. 587. 
The reason for this rule is that if a term be used in its whole extent in the conclusion which was not so used in the premise in which it occurred, we would be arguing from the part to the whole. It is the same sort of fallacy which we found to underlie the simple conversion of an A proposition. 588. Take, for instance, the following. All learned men go mad. John is not a learned man. John, therefore, will not go mad. In the conclusion, John is excluded from the whole class of persons who go mad, whereas in the premises, granting that all learned men go mad, it has not been said that they are all the men who do so. We have here an illicit process of the major term. 589. Or again, take the following. All radicals are covetous. All radicals are poor. Therefore, all poor men are covetous. The conclusion here is certainly not warranted by our premises. For in them we spoke only of some poor men, since the predicate of an affirmative proposition is undistributed. 590. Rule 5 is simply another way of stating the third axiom of immediate inference. To know that two terms disagree with the same third term gives us no ground for any inference as to whether they agree or disagree with one another. For example, ruminants are not oviparous, sheep are not oviparous. For aught that can be inferred from the premises, sheep may or may not be ruminants. 591. This rule may sometimes be violated in appearance, though not in reality. For instance, the following is perfectly legitimate reasoning. No remedy for corruption is effectual that does not render it useless. Nothing but the ballot renders corruption useless. Therefore, nothing but the ballot is an effectual remedy for corruption. But on looking into this, we find that there are four items. No, not A, is B. No, not C, is A. Therefore, no, not C, is B. The violation of Rule 5 is here rendered possible by the additional violation of Rule 2. In order to have the middle term the same in both premises, we are obliged to make the minor affirmative. Thus, no, not A, is B. All, not C, is not A. Therefore, no, not C, is B. No remedy that fails to render corruption useless is effectual. All but the ballot fails to render corruption useless. Therefore, nothing but the ballot is effectual. 592. Rule 6 declares that, if one premise be negative, the conclusion must be negative. Now, in compliance with Rule 5, if one premise be negative, the other must be affirmative. We have, therefore, the case contemplated in the second axiom, namely, of one term agreeing and the other disagreeing with the same third term, and we know that this can only give ground for a judgment of disagreement between the two terms themselves, in other words, to a negative conclusion. 593. Rule 7 declares that, if the conclusion be negative, one of the premises must be negative. But if the conclusion be affirmative, both premises must be affirmative. It is plain from the axioms that a judgment of disagreement can only be elicited from a judgment of agreement combined with a judgment of disagreement, and that a judgment of agreement can result only from two prior judgments of agreement. 594. The seven rules already treated of are evident by their own light, being of the nature of definitions and axioms. 
but the two remaining rules, which deal with particular premises, admit of being proved from their predecessors. 595. Proof of Rule 8. That two particular premises prove nothing. We know that by Rule 5, both premises cannot be negative. Hence, they must be either both affirmative, I-I, or one affirmative and one negative, I-O or O-I. Now, I-I premises do not distribute any term at all, and therefore the middle term cannot be distributed, which would violate Rule 3. Again, in I-O or O-I premises, there is only one term distributed, namely the predicate of the O proposition. But Rule 3 requires that this one term should be the middle term. Therefore, the major term must be undistributed in the major premise. But since one of the premises is negative, the conclusion must be negative by Rule 6, and every negative proposition distributes its predicate. Therefore, the major term must be distributed where it occurs as predicate of the conclusion. But it was not distributed in the major premise. Therefore, in drawing any conclusion, we violate Rule 4 by an illicit process of the major term. 596. Proof of Rule 9. That, if one premise be particular, the conclusion must be particular. Two negative premises being excluded by Rule 5 and two particular by Rule 8, the only pairs of premises we can have are AI, AO, EI. Of course, the particular premise may precede the universal, but the order of the premises will not affect the reasoning. All premises between them distribute one term only. This must be the middle term by Rule 3. Therefore, the conclusion must be particular, as its subject cannot be distributed. AO and EI premises each distribute two terms, one of which must be the middle term by Rule 3, so that there is only one term left which may be distributed in the conclusion. But the conclusion must be negative by Rule 4. Therefore, its predicate must be distributed. Hence, its subject cannot be so. Therefore, the conclusion must be particular. 597. Rules 6 and 9 are often lumped together in a single expression. The conclusion must follow the weaker part, negative being considered weaker than affirmative and particular than universal. 598. The most important rules of syllogism are summed up in the following mnemonic lines which appear to have been perfected, though not invented, by a medieval logician known as Petrus Hispanus, who was afterwards raised to the papal chair under the title of Pope John XXI, and who died in 1277. Distribuus medium nec quartus terminus adsit. Utrici nec premissa negans nec particularis. Sectetor partem conclusio detoriorum et un non distributat nisicum premissa negative. The end. Read by Rick Kissner for Let to Go on the Web at fcit.usf.edu.